welcome to a brand new episode of the Green Gen podcast. I'm your host Prerna Tirodkar, aka PT. Has waste ever bothered you? Have you ever wondered how much waste do we probably as Indians generate in a day? Waste management and segregation is a global issue. But did you know that we as Indians generate more waste than our Chinese counterparts? Of course now Delhi Mumbai Chennai top the ranks of it and food being our major contributor but in this circle of life this waste mostly doesn't reach the landfill this waste doesn't reach segregation centers a lot of times it's out there in the open it's dumped and piled now how does it concern you as an individual here's the thing we as individuals on an average generate 0.5 kg that's half a kg of waste individually so together it's one cumulatively just add it up and if you have around 6 people in your house it's 3 kgs in a day that's coming only from your house i know this probably might sound humongous and to a great extent an issue that is out of our control there's always something small that we can do there's always something that you and i can do regulate and monitor to reduce our share join me on this incremental journey with mehul manjeshwar the chief marketing officer at bare necessities a bangalore based social enterprise working towards identifying solutions that help you tackle this issue of waste an organization that has built e-learning courses handbooks to simplify the understanding of waste for you a marketplace curating sustainable lifestyle personal care and home care solutions all at your fingertips Thank you so much for tuning in and I really hope you enjoy this one. So you've spoken a lot about carbon footprint like what does it exactly mean? I'm just confused. There's just so much so many definitions out there if if we are to simplify the understanding of carbon footprinting what is its de- uh, definition to you? Yeah, so for me Honestly, like you, this question is again is a loaded question because <laughs> it can go into such detail. Um, like carbon footprint can go into such detail because it can be, you know, if I buy um, one, let's say I buy a smartphone, right? This is what's in front of my eyes right now. So I buy a smartphone, and my carbon footprint could be my personal carbon footprint would be, hey, I um, drove to the mall to buy it, right? That's my personal carbon footprint. But what people fail to realize is. this phone to come on to your that shelf that you bought it from has gone through a lot right it has gone through for example mining um, because resources have to be find, found for this phone then there's uh, manufacturing so again that's a factory possibly and then after that is distribution so how is this phone distributed across the world to the shelf that you're buying it from and then obviously it's your personal footprint where you've driven there and driven back and then obviously there's also the end of life which is what happens to the phone let's say it breaks what do you do with that right and to deal with that e waste or to deal with that dry waste there's also a sense of 
foot carbon or factory that deals with it. So the entire cycle has this footprint called carbon footprint. Um, and everything we do today generates carbon because everything we do is powered through something like fossil fuels, right? Oil or natural gas. And mm -hmm. that tends to emit carbon dioxide. And even when we dispose of things in the landfill, that emits carbon dioxide and methane. Um, so carbon, anything that emits carbon dioxide contributes to your carbon footprint. And that's just not only about you. It's literally tied to everything you own right now. And that's something that needs to change. And that's also the transition towards renewables. Wow, okay. I'm not gonna to go to the uh, mobile phone part of it because a lot of it is probably not in our control. But yeah. what I'm going to jump to is what you do with bear, right? Like our basic toothbrushes and uh, skincare routines or everything and anything that is in my personal scope, what I am mm. using as a person. So yeah. if, we, if we slightly deviate from the mobile phone, the next yeah. thing that all of us commonly use a lot is our toothbrushes or, uh, you know, the plastic bags that are there. If you could just, yeah. you know, give me a rough stat of what happens when, um, I mean, on, on an annual basis, what is our impact, fossil impact, if, if you have, of course, you know, studied about it or researched about it as part of yes. this, if you could just help understand my personal impact, right? through consumption, yeah. through kitchenware, stationery, blah, blah, blah. That'll be excellent. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Let's start with that. Sure, sounds good. So let me drop, let me give you some broad facts first, right? About like India as a whole. Um, over 90% of the total plastics that actually end up in the oceans comes from rivers in Asia and in China, right? Um, and then another fact is, you know, the amount 25, you know, uh, 25, I would say it's two, 25 lakhs um, I don't know how many zeros these are, but it's a, it's a ton, like crores of waste, kgs, amount is the amount of waste generated per day in 60 major cities in India. Okay, the met, like, you know, the urban areas that we're talking about that are supposed to be uh, developed, um, that are supposed to be able to manage the waste we're generating. Um, additionally, I think um, half of all the plastic that was ever manufactured has been made in the last 15 years. So imagine how much of that has scaled up in the last 15 years just to meet demand. And it just goes to show that, you know, the problem has become way bigger than what it was before. And again, I don't want to, I don't, while I'm giving you these facts, I don't want to say that plastic is entirely bad, right? Plastic was invented for various things. Um, it also brought women into um, employment. It gave people um, job opportunities. It gave ways to you know globalize and things like that but the level that has gone now to single-use plastics i'd say is the level that is being the most detrimental to our planet because it's chasing that convenience so to give you an idea for example a plastic toothbrush first of all i don't when i was starting off i never actually looked at my plastic toothbrush right? i just bought it um, yeah. because of the price point but now when you look at it think about how many layers that plastic toothbrush actually has it has the bristles of course Behind that, it has a variety of colors. Um, you then have a grip, and that grip, you know, is different layers of grip as well to, to, uh, throughout the toothbrush. And then you have the handle. And when you think about it that way, that means the, plast that means the plastic toothbrush is made of multi-layered plastics. And multi-layered plastics means almost impossible to literally recycle. So even if I were to give my plastic toothbrush to a recycler today, the, the, the quality of the plastic, and because it's multi-layered plastic, the, the, literally the, 
the technology doesn't exist to take that toothbrush aside, like apart to recycle the various aspects of that small toothbrush. And 500 years, it takes 500 years for a plastic toothbrush to decompose. While if you were to trans uh, transition to a bamboo toothbrush, it'll take, you know, three, four months to three years. Because obviously like bamboo is one of the fastest growing plants. And mm -hmm. um, it typically takes four months, I'd say to six months for bamboo to degrade and just go back to earth. But a plastic toothbrush takes 500 years, first of all. And even after that, it does not actually degrade. It just sits in the landfill, breaks into smaller pieces called microplastics, which then go, you know, finds its way into oceans, which we can't even see, like our naked eye can't even see. Um, and one thing to know is to today, especially today, um, humans are actually consuming a credit card worth of plastic each day through food. And just, I think, a week ago, they found um, microplastics in an unborn baby, like within the within a mother, right? And that's that's insane. Imagine that, like that's insane that we don't even know what's happening and it's just happening. Wow, um, are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was. A, I can't remember the source, but it's a credible source that has said that microplastics was found in in babies. And we're also just through the fish we eat or the yeah. food we eat. All that, even even if you're a vegetarian, the what the water that is used to grow your vegetables is groundwater. And that can be leached with chemicals. Again, landfills leach chemicals, microplastics into the water. And that same water is used to you know, grow your vegetables. So imagine what you're consuming again. Um, if we were to look at something like plastic water bottles, um, 167 plastic, plastic water bottles can be saved from end, end, um, ending up in the landfills by simply using a uh, reusable water bottle. Now plastic, Plastic water bottles are recyclable, but the word recyclable is kind of, neat. we need to say it's downcycled because a plastic water bottle when recycled comes back, yes, but it comes back with a lower life and a lower quality. So it might get recycled another one time or two times after that, but after that, it will end up in the landfill, right? But think about that stainless steel bottle that you might be using. There is that one-time expense and that one-time manufacturing process that has gone into it, and then you're using it for life. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh, just interrupt here. When we yeah. talk about stainless steel bottles or the other solutions, right, that are there, uh, at mm -hmm. some point, right, we maybe just don't like the design or we just do bored of it, and then we give it away. What happens mm -hmm. after is something that I was really curious to know. What happens to that bottle after it has uh, hit a landfill? So, you mean a stainless steel bottle or a plastic bottle? Uh, a stainless steel bottle. So suppose I have transitioned to eco-friendly, uh, uh, I mean, to, to a life, to to, I've taken simple steps of replacing my plastic bottles with stainless steel bottles. I have used that bottle for over two, three years and I give it away or I throw it away because it's worn out and it doesn't look that great. What happens to yeah. that bottle the minute it enters my dustbin? Cool. So... This is, a, this is another loaded question. So it brings me to a point like, which is one of the key ways to tackle our footprint is segregation, like waste segregation. Um, it's the easiest way for someone to actually become part of the solution. If you just segregate your waste into dry waste and wet waste, especially in India, right? Like dry waste and wet waste. Um, so technically and practically, and hopefully like this is what's happening. Um, the stainless steel bottle should never end up mixed with your wet waste. The moment it's mixed, that is going into the landfill, right? And when it goes into the landfill, 
It doesn't compost properly. Even the organic waste that you're separating does not compost properly. But if you segregate, this dry waste actually goes to dry waste centers. And if you just take you know, one day or one weekend to go visit these dry waste centers around Bombay or around Bangalore, I recently went to one actually. And mm -hmm. if you just go visit these dry waste centers, you'll see that there's an entire value chain, an entire you know, supply chain that these recyclables are driving. And it's, it's amazing to see, which we don't see with our naked eyes. We don't see it in the news, so we don't know of. But we met this guy, his name is Mansoor Bhai. He's actually uh, one of, we made it, we went, we approached him because we wanted to make him a TEDx speaker as well. Um, because he's done so much, he's become an entrepreneur and started his own driveway center. And he, people come to his driveway center to either sell dry waste or buy dry waste so that they can then sell, sell to a bigger aggregator and that bigger aggregator will recycle it further and further and further and there's an entire chain and it's driving it's also incorporating incomes for people right your stainless steel bottle i think when we say um i've used it for two three years um and then i want to give it away or I've, even something like fashion i've used it for um, a short amount of time and I'm bored and I want to move out, move out from it or move, move away from it. I think that is what marketing and communications over the past, however many years has made it to be that we often need to, you know, stay with it. Twice. So we can't keep using the same thing because um, I'm, I'm bored, but why are you bored when it's doing the trip, doing your job, doing the job that you want to do, right? Especially clothing as well. Like, you have clothing, there's something called fast fashion. Um, the moment, you know, fast fashion, fast fashion is, they literally make your clothes so they don't last too long. Um, and I think that's a very, you know, again, it's a way that marketing has just shaped things to be to drive profits because they've said, hey, we need to decrease the life, lifespan of these products because that consumer will then come back and buy again. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole, like a psychology here in terms of like, stainless steel bottle, I want to give it away or I want to throw it out. You shouldn't want to because if you're living a mindful life, then you should be loving what you have. You should be knowing that it does the job. And if for any reason you do have to give it away you have to, or dispose of it, you have to be mindful and recycle it or segregate it from the rest of your waste. Or maybe pass it on. Or pass it on, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, we've been speaking a lot about zero waste and about, you know, our plastic impact and stuff like that. But these are mm -hmm. complex topics. And I, I know uh, you've been working a lot on simplifying it through courses, through workshops and all of that. What are the resources that whoever is listening and is interested in studying more about it can um, go find out and, you know, do a self-learning course maybe? Yes, absolutely. So, um, so yes, definitely. Like bare necessities, we do. Uh, we do tons of workshops. We've done at government schools, colleges, um, employee engagement, corporates. Because you educate the people, and then they can shape the institutions around you. Whether it's your home or your workplace or the school or your classroom or whatever it is. Um, and then it was all about how to make education accessible. So then we did launch two courses. One is zero waste in thirty. How can you, you know, start tackling your environmental footprint, your waste footprint in 30 days? And that's not saying, hey, you'll be zero waste in 30 days. That's saying start your journey because it is a journey. Everything's a journey. Nothing happens in one day like this. It's all about incremental steps, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that concept, like concept of incremental steps is extremely important for us to break down this overwhelming concept of zero waste because 
zero waste has become this daunting phrase now when it actually started off as you know a really positive thing now it's become a phrase where it's like hey i have to get rid of my waste and i have to just turn zero waste in one day but actually what zero waste means is hey start taking the small steps to transitioning to a mindful sustainable lifestyle which generates the least amount of waste as possible today mm-hmm. for us to become zero waste there has to be tons of more innovations which is happening i guarantee it's happening i've been in the space now so i can tell i know that it's happening um, but those innovations do take time so till then what can i do to tackle my waste footprint and for that you need to like yes self self help courses for example a zero waste in 30 course will give you diys um diys to you know do it yourself at home so you realize that hey things um like toothpaste that i use um come in a toothpaste tube which comes with ingredients that i don't even know how to pronounce right and this yeah. you're putting in your body and you're exposing yourself to ingredients that you literally cannot pronounce and you don't even know what it's doing to your body but someone has told you hey it makes you feel fresh because of the mint right and they've oh, shaped yeah. our mind and they've shaped our minds like this literally like they've shaped it for generations and generations but and so we've just now we just believe this blindly that hey toothpaste is the way to go in a tube with these ingredients but when you really think about it natural ingredients today can be packaged differently um can create a toothpaste that is local to the kitchen that you have right now like the ingredients and it does the same and it does the same uh, trick so that's this one step that i might say hey i'll set a realistic goal and by the end of the month i will transition my toothbrush to a bamboo toothbrush or transition my toothpaste to making my own or maybe getting tooth powders that have been used for generations and generations like charcoal or <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so um there's self help courses like the way i mentioned zero waste in 30 sustainable in 30 there's also courses all all over you know um there's books that you can read there's documentaries all over netflix right now like there's a documentary called the plastic ocean how i mentioned there's a documentary by david attenborough who's yeah. just doing amazing things um to raise awareness there's also this huge global movement that's happening right now called countazin um and bare necessities actually a founding partner of countazin so i'm not sure if you guys like if you've seen ted countdown happened a couple of weeks ago um, it was a huge 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 global event where they got a lot of people together and within that there's this campaign called countazin and it's like a campaign that literally tells you hey take small steps set realistic goals and let's achieve it together but it's a global movement and you're aggregating all these data points together So what was your first small step? And and I I mean I'm really very lazy in life to go to mm-hmm. to the kitchen and you know do something put it in mm-hmm. a you know put it in a bottle and make a paste mm-hmm. out of it. How much time does it take on an average to you know build all of this and get used to it? Because I mean this is like like a like a diet plan, right? It takes time to get used to it. It's we are in a habit loop for years. How did you break your habit loop? Yeah so um that's a very important thing you said there it's very similar to diets and fitness goals and career goals you know people say how do i go zero waste but it's actually like you said it's literally how you do, how do you become how do you achieve your fitness goals how do you achieve your career goals you set small goals right that are realistic and achievable you check them off as you go through it you feel good about yourself because it's positive reinforcement and you continue because you know that if i'm not if i'm not as healthy as possible or if i've not done given my best at my job or my work then i won't see the see the impacts and there will be negative you know consequences kind of thing um so it's very important that we actually um 
uh, tackle our waste footprint similar to everything that we've been tackling today, including fitness and career. And these, this goal setting framework that we've used for fitness, for health, for diets, it's a proven method, right? We don't need to change that method to achieve um, a lower waste footprint, for instance. And I think what I did personally was, yes, I agree that sometimes um, I don't want to DIY myself, right? But then what, what's the next step if you don't want to DIY? The next step is, hey, are there social enterprises or NGOs or impact-driven businesses out there that I can support to um, help me transition to my low-waste lifestyle? And that's what I did. So I looked at my, um, honestly, like the best way to transition your waste, transition to a low-waste lifestyle is to look at your personal, personal, personal footprint. Um, it's not about looking at your home and how much waste the kitchen generates, or it's not about, you know, looking at big picture things. It's about looking at your own bathroom, for instance, or your own room um, and seeing, hey, these are things that are in my control, my individual control, not my family's, not my brother's, things like that. How can I trans transform my individual lifestyle to a plastic free or zero waste or low waste lifestyle? And my first step was definitely a plastic toothbrush to a bamboo toothbrush. And mm -hmm. After that, I was always using reusable water bottles because I did like that concept. So that was something that was my one of my steps. I ended up getting um, toothpaste. So now I don't use you know conventional toothpaste. I do use um, tooth powders, tooth uh, toothpaste um, that are you know natural and zero waste packaging. And again, it's from Bare Necessities um, that I found was a good way for me to transition to start with. Um, and I think just realizing that, hey, my shampoo bottle, for instance, or shower gel bottle, for instance, is plastic, multi-layered plastic once again. So then I ended up transitioning to a soap bar, which is packaged in paper. Um, and the soap that I use, again, I do support the workplace that I work for. So my soap is from Bare Necessities, but it does come in packaged in recyclable paper, right? Um, things like that. So really doing the research, even if you don't want to DIY, doing the research behind the brands you're buying from um, is extremely important uh, because then you're supporting something way bigger than just my shower, right? Yeah, this this also brings me to an important point, right? That we've been hearing greenwashing or you know just just brands putting eco or sustainable or green solution names on their communications to mm. attract more people. So you know you've said said this before that do your research, do uh, you know just go search, blah blah blah. But do what research, right? Like, what should I search? How do I even distinguish if uh, there are so many brands and social enterprises out there? How do I distinguish between which ones really, uh, I mean, sustainable and which ones just putting up a shoe? Yeah, definitely. So um, honestly, you're asking very loaded questions. <laughs> but because um, the... I don't know, like the way to answer these questions at the state the world and we're in right now is such a deep, you know, it's a deep question. Um, and there's honestly what I'd say is, for example, we've tried to make um, Sustainability in 30, the online course that we launched just on Christmas. That course addresses things like triple bottom line, it addresses gender income equality, it addresses greenwashing and what you can do to know what is going, like, what brands can you support and or even if you are buying something right now what is what is the implications of that very product even if you haven't transitioned to a you know sustainable version of that product but what is the impact of that product is something that we need to see 
So um, in terms of greenwashing, honestly, yes, a lot of people are doing this. A lot of organizations are doing this because sustainability has become um, a movement. People are asking for sustainable things now. And to stay prominent, it's like, how do I, you know, stay, how do, how do I communicate to stay prominent with my target audience? Um, so what, as consumers, we can do is, you know, go back to what we used to do old school ways. And that's literally talking to people and talking to people is like, you know, someone has used this product. So it's like, how was your experience with that product? Interacting with people and asking them experiences, why they supported certain brands, all these things will help you. First of all, that's the personal side of things. Secondly, we tend to, you know, go on a website to buy something and we buy, we just go on the products page. We don't look at the about us. We don't look at the story. We don't look at um, how they package. We don't look at um, anything like that. We just look at the products and we're like, okay, I'm going to buy it. I've ordered it online. I've, and the, the other thing is we want it the next day, right? Um, mm. Because of this online shopping craze and we want it the next day, but we fail to slow down and that's the biggest thing. We fail to become mindful and we fail to slow down because we're in this mindset that everything has to just happen so fast um, that we'll order it. We won't read anything about it. And it might say organic or it might say natural, whatever it is. And you're just ordering it without reading, you know, where it's coming from, how it's packaging that. And that's part of greenwashing. And to enable you don't get greenwashed, again, it's about that little extra step that you're taking to um, read about the brand you're supporting. There's something called sustainability reports as well that various organizations have on their websites now um, that you can really go through, see if it's data-driven, see if it's not, things like that. So it's just about, you know, being, slowing down and realizing that we have so, we, everyone says we don't have time, right? Um, but honestly, like how much time do you spend on WhatsApp a day? How much time do you spend on social media a day? Um, that is time that you're just scrolling or doing something, but instead, you know, use some of that time I'm not even saying don't go on social media I'm saying use some of the time to disperse it into you know <laughs> researching into what you want to do and what you want to consume mm -hmm. yeah I mean that's that that's that's important but like social media is still totally like a platform for change you know like something that's working it's something that's connecting to people so let's leverage that for good rather than everything else that social media is being detrimental for you know and that's that's another whole entire session you know to be honest talk about what the negative aspects of social media but let's use it for good let's use it for positivity and impact yeah so just just wrapping this up right you are a marketing you are a marketing head at uh, at bear and just i just want to know how are you leveraging that aspect and that expertise of your personality for good right i mean mm -hmm. how does communication question impact a person's consumption pattern um in terms of you know communicating um i think what we've done really well is keeping everything as organic as possible um because then we're in control of how we want to communicate and what that means is you know we haven't outsourced um communications and lots of organizations do that because again it makes things easy but every caption that we write every facebook post every instagram post everything that we do is literally gone through us um, and it's thought about in a way that, you know, hey, I don't want this language to be um, extremely pressurizing or preachy or um, scary, right? I want this language to be accessible to people. I want people to see these posts and think, hey, it's fun. I, this is a fun way. This is sustainability is fun. Zero waste is fun. It is, and I also now I'm learning through these fun ways or through these fun captions or language that it is, if I'm not going sustainable, then it is having a bad impact 
for future generations and myself. And making it fun helps people be like, you know what, I want to try it out. But I think the other thing that we've done really well is we've, we've communicated differently on different avenues, right? So now if you open our zero waste box, like you get a hamper or you get products, you open it, we have things written inside. We've, we're telling you that, hey, this is the impact you're part of. This is the waste you're diverting from, your, from the landfills, things like that. And the, before you even see the products, you see this language. And I think that's extremely important because you look at it and you're like, wow, I've done something good. Let's continue. Um, the other aspect is, you know, um, social media is great, but we've also uh, tried, we've come out with zero waste playing cards. Um, I think subconsciously, it's really important to instill sustainability in someone's mind. Um, so if you're playing cards, right now playing cards, if you no one thinks about it, it was actually made of plastic, right? And ends up in landfills again, because it's laminate and it's single-use plastic. So what we did is we came up with zero waste playing cards. And on these playing cards, we actually put uh, a 52 card deck with sustainability facts on it. So when you're waiting for your turn, you're indirectly reading these facts and subconsciously you're storing it in your mind. Wow. Um, so another, yeah, so that's another way to communicate. I mean, just knowing that, hey, some people might not um, absorb information through captions. How mm -hmm. else can I communicate it to them in their daily lives, whether it's a planner that we launched or it's a playing card deck or it's a board game that families want to play together. So wow. mm -hmm. communication is just, I think, it varies and how and you have to really understand the person you are speaking to more than the message that you want to put out. You know your core message, but how you deliver that core message is understanding what that your target audience and what that person is who's looking at your message um, really needs to see. I'm sure empathy, right? At the end of it, it boils down to just being human. I'm just yeah, kind of exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, just, it's all about being human, all about being accessible. Um, all about being you know genuine and like authentic i think yeah. um i think we've lost the sense of authenticity today and the how, how genuine we want to be in this world um so i think that's something that i, I would love to you know and not of course we have more questions but i think we need to definitely be more authentic and more genuine to ourselves and to everything that we do um and empathetic as you mentioned because only then you know will we realize that our impacts everything we do has an impact on something else. If we're empathetic, we'll realize that. If we're authentic to ourselves and genuine to ourselves, we'll realize that, hey, this might be unethical or this might be ethical and I'm not doing it just for money or just for something else, you know? Yeah, it has to become a part of a value system at the end of it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure one thing that I'm going to take away from, you know, our conversation today is that this overwhelming concept of sustainability, plastic-based is an incremental journey because mm -hmm. uh, honestly I've been just uh, while we were talking I've been looking around and there's just so much plastic everywhere you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned cards and it's something that you know we don't subconsciously think right who will even think that there will be plastic in my game I mean in, in the cards that I'm using to play with my family and all of that so yeah, yeah I think I think uh, it's an incremental journey and we'll definitely start off with the online course that you know you all have just launched. And yeah. Thank you. I think, um, yeah, sorry. yeah, no, I think just to add to incremental steps as consumers, we also need to understand that you know consumers drive the economy, drive the you know purchasing power of things, which drives you know what corporations do at the end because they want to make consumers happy in the end. Um, that doesn't mean that the whole burden should fall on consumers. Corporations themselves should now 
start taking the initiative because they can have huge impact if they start you know changing their value chains and supply chains um but saying that i think we all need to understand that the entire system the transition to a green system or a green economy is incremental um corporations can't change in one day organizations can't change in one day people can't change in one day because this is just a system that has been um you know built for centuries decades centuries whatever it is and to change that system is going to take time it's going to take those incremental steps so let's when i say empathetic we also need to be empathetic towards the social enterprises or the organizations or the corporations that we choose to support because they might be taking genuine efforts to transition their value chain and supply chains to a more sustainable one but sometimes it's just difficult right and for people and organizations alike we just need to understand this together and realize that hey we're helping each other consumers are helping organizations organizations are helping consumers as the only way we can take those incremental steps and not make it as daunting as we as people tend to make it like for example today i was talking to you and in the moment you realize that there's so much plastic around you right yeah um so i think similarly when we go grocery shopping things like that if we're in the moment when we're about to pick something from the shelf and you think about the journey of that product you would realize that hey man this this could be detrimental um but we are just not in the moment when we're doing things because we just want to we're in this rush and this hustle and we just want to move to the next move on to the next move on to the next and we're not fully enjoying this moment that we have and what we can do in that specific moment and that's how we've just lost, maybe lost ideas lost creativity um lost inspiration momentum things like that because we're just again not present and that's also very very important and that's also incremental steps it all again it's all interconnected more than anything the magic of lion king you know circle of life yeah exactly and those animated movies actually did it all you know it is lion king one of my favorite movies is moana um i literally watch it a lot if you watch moana and you watch it like as a uh, as a for lack of a better word but like a woke person <laughs> if you watch moana honestly there's so many lessons so many things to see in that movie um and it's it's just fascinating to see if if i'm to do like a netflix marathon give me your top 3 picks um okay i don't even know if they're all on netflix but if you were to do a movie marathon i would say okay. uh moana number 1 animated movie um i would say documentary wise um something by david attenborough would be great he's come up with many documentaries so i love be, his voice man yeah very calming very makes you seem like hey you know what i want mm-hmm. to understand you and i want to listen to you mm-hmm. um and in terms of movies i think um i think another documentary that i would recommend right i watched it recently social dilemma um mm. that just shows you know communication part of it not environmental part of it but the communication side of things yeah. um which is very impact driven and in terms of movies there's tons that are you know environmental movies um which which like there's the there's a movie called the boy who harnessed the wind um okay. and that's on netflix i believe and it's amazing to see you know it's a lower it's a it's about a family that's you know in a in in lower socioeconomic background for instance and they and how this boy innovates and why he innovates and what he innovates is so inspiring to see um so i think that's a movie i would recommend i think that's the first one i'm going to go with then <laughs> awesome so yeah thank you so much mehul really it has been a pleasure and uh, i look forward to you know uh, seeing the uh, the work that you are doing at there another suggestion please innovate something when it comes to pens i know there are pencils 
uh, in the stationery section of uh, web, but please, we need stationery when it comes to pens. Yeah, so actually on the website, you'll also find seed paper pens. Uh -huh. um, these pens are, you know, hand-rolled with paper um, that, you know, we actually partner, partner with local communities to do that. Um, so we're supporting like this community that loves to do this. And at the back of each pen, there's also seeds. So once you're done using it, take the seeds out and plant these seeds. Um, and these pens, again, are hand-rolled and maybe like can eliminate, you know, 95 or 90%, majority, I'd say, of the plastic in a pen. And again, that's about the incremental steps, right? You're, the innovation yeah. is, hey, how do we make the entire pen one day completely compostable? But what is the best thing we can come up with right now is these seed paper pens that not only plant something at the end of its life, but also you can unroll majority of the pen and compost it. So um, that is on our website if you'd like to check it out. I really hope you enjoyed this joyride and already have few suggestions for your next Netflix marathon. While sustainability might be one of the most overwhelming concepts and issues that stand ahead of us, it's important to know that we are not in this alone. It's something that together we need to tackle as society. It's us with the planet. It's us together working towards rebuilding a better world for ourselves and our generations to come. While this is not about the destination, it's about us taking that one step to move beyond being bystanders of our situation. It's making the right choices with whatever we do. It's about us taking that one small step in our personal sphere to make a difference and be part of the change. Until we meet on next Tuesday, do not forget to have fun and lead a purpose-driven life.